Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, if you guys have missed the last two weeks, you have really, really missed a great time. Amen. We've gone over that first week, we went over things like how God is an ever-changing God, or excuse me, how God is a never-changing God, yet He instigates the most change, how we need realistic goals and steps, how we have to say no to an average life. Second week, we even dove deeper into Game Changer, talking about King David. Don't you just love it when we talk about King David? Oh, man, guys. Just the Bible is so real when you think about how the Bible transcribes a person's life, the good, the bad, and the ugly. He was responsible, submissive, industrious. He was passionate about a cause. How we should play to our strengths, right? Sometimes we get so focused on our weaknesses that we forget God's given us a strength, amen? He's given that because that is our anointing. That's our calling. Don't get distracted with what we can't do. We should put some effort towards that. But maybe if we surround people and things that we're weak in, we can all get to the top together, amen? We can help each other out. Praise the Lord. Verbalized goals. I hope you've told somebody this past week what you're going to do. Now, you got to be careful because that kind of exposes you, amen? Yeah, yeah, you got to be careful about that. So, but I hope you verbalize your goals. I want to do this or that or whatever it might be. We were having a discussion in a pastor's office before we came here, and I think it was about January seventeenth of every year is when people begin to write off what they wanted to do and kind of forget about it. Well, today's January nineteenth, so we're hoping to kickstart you back into gear. Amen. That's what we want to do here. Okay. Yeah, give the Lord a hand clap of praise, man. So excited to be here. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Last week was such a great week with prayer and fasting. Anybody and everybody who took part of that, thank you. Thank you for, for, for bringing your lot and casting it with the rest of us and saying, God, we want to see what you're going to do. We had a wonderful night Thursday night. We had a corporate prayer meeting. If you missed it, know that you were missed, but it was such a wonderful, wonderful time and uh, just a great way to say, God, we're all going to come together and declare your word and what you can do. Amen. Uh, just so you guys know, here at Ray of Hope, if you're a guest, we would like to say just one more time, welcome, it is truly our honor. Here at Ray of Hope, we believe in strong individuals, amen? Because we know that strong individuals create strong families, create strong communities, and we know that a great community is a superior tomorrow, amen? And that's something that we want to be a part of, but we also know that nothing is superior without Jesus, Amen. So here, we fly his flag high and very proud. We want him uh, to be a part of our lives forever, amen, and part of continuing generations. So as you guys have prayed and fasted, thank you. We appreciate it. We believe that God is going to change some things in us and in the community, amen? Amen, amen. If you will open your Bibles with me to Philippians 2 is where we're going to start at. Philippians 2, 12 through 13. Philippians 2, 12 through 13. Visiting with Paul here. Paul is writing to the great Philippian friends. A church, no doubt, that he's visited, that he's been a part of. Whenever we read these letters, we have a tendency to think it's probably a church like ours, which it could have been. There could have been some of those. But it was more about to believers than it was about anything else. And uh, it was to, these, these letters would have been written and kind of circulated around to multiple people. 
And here he begins his statement, therefore my beloved. Such an endearing term. Uh, We use it with spouses, we use it with children, uh, maybe close, close friends. But here Paul is beginning to write this as his father would to his children. As you have always obeyed, so now not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do the works for his good pleasure. If you read on down there, he gives a list of other things. Be pure, be holy. He gives a really list of hard things to do in a perverse generation, which are the words that comes out of his mouth. And he says something else in verse 15. He says this. He says, you shine as lights in the world. Here he's talking to his beloved, to his family. And he begins by saying, listen, my beloved, I love you and do this. Reminds me of a story. A father takes his son out. His son is just beginning to turn a teen. He said, son, it's about time for you to become a man. So we're going to do a ritual. Takes him out and sets him on a stump and puts a blindfold on him. And he said, son, you are to to remain here until morning. Despite what you hear, what you think you might hear, you got to stay here all night. And then you will be able to enter into manhood. The son looks at the father, kind of fear in his eyes. But he knows he serves a loving father. He believes that his dad loves him. He said, I'll do it. Puts the blindfold on him, sets him on the stump. The next morning, sure enough, the sun peeks through the trees. He can feel the rays of sun on his face. And it's about time. That night, he endured the howls of the night. The crickets chirping, leaves falling. No, no doubt the breeze blowing and not knowing really what it is. But he endured all night. The sun pumps through, he takes off his blind, and then he finds that his father's been sitting on the left side of him all night long. The change that God has spoken to my heart and to your heart, it's going to feel at times like that as we're pursuing what we're supposed to be changing. That we have a blindfold on. Our heart will pump and we'll ask God, where are you at? Are you even here? Is this what you even said to me? We'll hear the howls of the enemy saying, you can't do it. We'll hear the world saying, it ain't worth it, just give up, stop. We'll hear those evil spirits or feel those evil spirits begin to oppress us. But if we're like the boy and we say, God, I trust you. You've told me to do this and I believe that I'm talking to a loving father. So I will keep the blindfold on, so to speak, and wait till morning. And I will raise both of my hands and declare that I'm your child and you are my God. And I will make this happen. Amen? Amen. And that's what Paul is writing, probably not that loudly, but that's what, that's what he's writing. <laughs> Amen. When you have a cause, you have passion. Okay? When you have a cause, you have passion. He's probably not writing it that loudly. But he, he writes to his, his family, he says, listen, you, don't worry about your neighbor. Don't worry about their change. I was driving down the road the other day, and God began to speak to me about condemnation. Because we have a habit as people sometimes of saying, well, well, how about them? How about this? How about that? And I was driving my Explorer, and, and God dropped this thought in my mind, I feel like. He said, Matt, he said, you realize that you're driving your Explorer, but really your Explorer is driving you. He said, he said you're, you're driving it, but it's really taking you to where you want to be. And many times, if I feel like condemnation is in my life and judgment, maybe I need to step back and say, am I pushing judgment on somebody? Because that's what I feel. 
Maybe if I was pushing love and grace and gentleness and kindness, maybe that's what I need to drive so I can get there with that. Amen? What's driving you or what are you driving? Paul here is saying that to his people. Work out your own own salvation. And then in verse 13 it says, For it is God who works in you. It is the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of my Father, the Comforter that works within you. As I was praying over there and we were singing that last song, I feel like God spoke this to me, and I'm just going to be very, very real with you guys this morning. As I was praying this last week and fasting, as many people were, it's a, it's, it's a great story in the church of many people. So many times we feel like it's the fasting and it's the prayer. It's the clapping of my hands and the shouting and, and going to God in war, going, going on the battlefield, so to speak, on my knees and saying, God, would you do this and do this? And I, I, what are you speaking to me? And those are all have their place. But at the end of the day, it's the grace of God who breaks the chains. God is as big as he's ever going to be. And Tanner put it really good this morning. Please <clears throat> hear our hearts. Please, don't let the presence of God be in your life without responding. The reason why, the reason why we do what we do is it's so I can deny myself and become less of me. So that we can understand more of what God wants. So it's, excuse me, sounded like a 13-year-old boy. (laughs) And everybody knows what you're talking about. So Paul writes here to his beloved, and that's really what's on his heart. He's saying, listen, you worry about you and let God do everything else. But when you're worried about everybody else and not doing you, God can't really do a whole lot. So let that spirit of God in you be released. And this last week when we prayed and we fasted and we sought the Lord and the prayer and fasting that will continue in the future, that's so we can deny ourselves and we can push ourselves out of the way and say, God, what is your spirit that's working on the inside of me that I might have been denying because I've been doing some stuff and now I'm pushing that out? What is that saying to me? What, What are you trying to do here? And this is really... As we were planning Be the Change, it's really something we want to embody this year as a staff and as a church. Amen? Amen. And Paul here is writing, and the first thing that I gained from this scripture is that if we grow in our own protection that God has provided for us, that's how we become the change. We have to grow in our protection. Here he admonishes them. He, 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 he says, guys, you have done so well. He says that you have, have obeyed in my presence and when I'm not there, which is really a sign of true obedience is when people obey. It's one thing to be doing something when the boss is there. It's another thing to be doing what you need to be doing when the boss is not there. Amen. And Paul is saying, listen. As you walk in your own protection, you let the Spirit walk, or you let the Spirit work inside of you, obey, keep obeying. So how do we walk in our own protection? First thing is obedience. 
Be obedient. The next thing is that fear and trembling where he says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. All that is, what's he saying to break that down? Is just saying, listen, honor and respect the Lord. As you walk in your salvation, do the things that you know that's gonna honor him and respect him. And then as we begin to walk in our own protection and we honor and respect him, we will begin to see those things unfold, amen? That's what's gonna happen. Last week we talked about David, and I don't wanna park on there because it was an amazing sermon. I would highly suggest going back and, and, and listening to it. But David begins to put on Saul's armor. And if we remember, he could basically just shake the armor off. And he says this one little line, he says, I can't wear this armor because it hasn't been proved. That means I haven't gone into war and to battle with this armor. And we know that every warrior would have had medals and, and, and armor that fit them. See, the problem was, is David was trying on an armor, trying on a protection that God provided. It just wasn't provided for David. It was provided for Saul. And as we embark on our change, what we're going to want to do is, wow, this person changed this way, so I think I'm going to go steal what they're doing and try to put it in my life. And God said, no, that's not what you're supposed to do. And here's the kicker. So he shows up with a slingshot and the spirit of the Lord, which is really a foreshadowing to what Paul begins to write about in Ephesians 6, where he says, put on the whole armor of God. See, David and Goliath was a flesh and blood thing. But through that, God proved that the Spirit of God could overcome flesh and blood. That's the point of Jesus, right? His flesh and blood, it was the Spirit of God, even though Jesus wanted to, if this cup can pass from me. But it was the Spirit of the God that said, no, you must continue. The Spirit of God overcame the flesh. And we see that in David. Here he is standing with nothing but a slingshot and the Spirit of God. But guess what? That was his armor that God provided for him. It was the one that was proved with the bear and with the lion. That's the reason why it works so well. And we've got to be guarded because well-meaning people, I honestly think David was trying to honor Saul when he put on his armor. And I think that Saul maybe realized this is all he, because of where he was at, this is the only way I know how to do it. We have to be on guard because other people will make suggestions in our life of how we do our change. And that's not going to work. That's not going to work. That's not what God called us to do. That's the reason why Paul says, work out your salvation. Work out your change. What do you have to change in your life? And we see that in that story of David. David is responding to the Spirit of the Lord. He says, listen, I can't wear this. Obviously, it didn't fit. And it's going to look very, very tempting as people. Yeah. I, was, I used Pastor Ronnie in the first service as an example. Been in ministry 30, 40 years. It's going to look very tempting to take their armor and put it on me because it's already done. <laughs> It's already been beat out, and it, it has the battle wounds, you know what I mean, the battle marks. Like, I walk out in somebody's armor, they're thinking, you're a warrior, and you've never been out there in your entire life, you know what I mean? You just stole, like, stealing somebody's jersey in a sport. Just because you have their number doesn't mean you're that good. It really doesn't. And you can even buy the $500 shoes. Still doesn't mean you're that good, okay? I'm just kidding. Just playing. Just playing. But here's David. David understands that he can't do this. So we have to be on guard on ourselves. Because sometimes it will, when, it, when we're embarking on our change, God's saying no because he wants that change to last a long time. We have different job situations across the church. 
We can, we, can, we can say that it's all generic. Yeah, if you work at the school, and I understand that. But I promise you, a coach dealing with parents and kids is different than an administrator dealing with kids and parents. It's different on the special ed side of the wing dealing with parents and kids. It's different a banker dealing with a person who's trying to make a loan versus a banker helping an employee. So we have to work out our situation. What is God saying today for you to be prepared for? So whenever you put on your armor for today, God, how am I going to handle the situation? Give me the words to speak. Give me the body language to have. Let me make the impact that you would have because this neighbor on my right is not the same as the neighbor on the left, yet I am called to reach both of them. So today, as I go to this battlefield, and I put on the correct armor of God. And we know it's a shield of righteousness, and I understand all that. Helmet of salvation, I understand. But God, what, what, what is it that you're asking me to wear for that particular point? Amen? Amen. Hey, I got two pages in my notes ahead of you guys. All right. Yeah, that's worth a hand clap, right? Okay. Yeah, praise the Lord. We're going to get to Taco Bell. Okay. <laughs> Say, hey, I, I think the same things, dude. We act spiritual, but sometimes we're like, go pastor, ready to go Taco Bell. So it, it, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. So, uh, <laughs> I'm thinking of tacos. No, I'm just playing, I'm just playing, okay. Let me, get, let me jump back in, let me jump back in. As we learn to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling, and then verse 13, for it is the God who works in you. It is the Spirit of God who works in us. The next point has two subpoints. The next point is this simply. We have to continue to allow the Spirit of God to have freedom in our life. Paul said, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And he says, the Spirit of God who works in you, for why? His good pleasure. The changes that we are embarking on is for God's good pleasure. Because he has things ordained and set up for us because he knows all that we can walk in and he can do amazing things in our life, amen? In John 14, 25 and 26, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says, this is the reason why it's important for you to have freedom of the Holy Spirit, why the Holy Spirit needs freedom in your life to rule and reign. And he says this, these things I've spoken to you while I'm still with you. So Jesus is talking to his disciples and he said, listen, you guys, I've said a lot of stuff. Can you imagine the disciples' journey over three years? We're going to go into this town. We're going to heal everybody. I'm going to walk out of this town. You're going to say something that's really dumb. I'm going to turn around and correct you. But I still love you. We're going to go to the next town. We're going to heal everybody. Oh, nobody has food. Boom. 5,000 fish and loaves. Let's go. We're having a party. Who else? Who else? Let's go. Let's go. Oh, you? Let's push out on a boat. Dip your nets down. Okay, next one. Let's... And you can imagine what was going through their minds. And it was so intense and so spiritual. I promise you, it was cool if things were. I might be scratching my head. Did we feed 5,000 or 3,000 last time? I can't, I can't remember. How, was that the lady that got healed in Capernaum? Or? And you can't remember everything. But Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he, and he ends that. And he, in verse 26, he says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to you remembrance. So as we allow the Holy Spirit on this journey that we have to even have more freedom in our life, he will bring to remembrance what he said to us. Let me equate that back to our journey this last week or the week before. We have prayed and we have fasted and we have set time aside. Even if you're a super great note taker, there's no way you remember that everything God told you last week. 
You're gonna be in front of your neighbor, you're gonna be in front of your employer, you're gonna be at a job, you're gonna be at that, in front of that person that you've been praying for for weeks to get saved, if not years. And God told you something about them, and you forgot. But because of our reliance on the Holy Spirit, and he has freedom to do whatever he wants to do, that will bring back up in my mind. And it will bring back to my remembrance. Because it's not about me remembering, it's about that person being healed, being saved, being set free, being encouraged, being edified. That's what it's about. And we'll learn about, we'll talk about that here a little bit when we talk about the disciples later on. That's what it's about. Matter of fact, he said to his disciples, he said, listen, you cast out demons, you had reliance on me, man, you, you, you did all kinds of disciplings and healings, but I'm going to send this guy, and it's going to end a promise from the Father. Talks to him about being the comforter, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, all these different things. And can you imagine on the day of Pentecost when that Holy Spirit came? And Peter gets up and preaches one of the greatest sermons ever, and I, to, to my, I don't think he prepared. <laughs> I don't think he had sermon notes laying on the side that he walked up. He began to preach with a great sermon from everything that he had been taught to Jesus the prior three years. At the correct moment in time, where not just one or two, but thousands got added that day. But it was the Holy Spirit that brought back in remembrance. Amen? There was a guy walking by with these elephants chained up. And they had these little bitty chains, little bitty ropes tied around their foot and around a stake in the ground. Big monster elephants. Wonderful. And he went up to him and he goes, how in the world do you keep these big, powerful elephants from running off? I mean, they could snap that cord like that. They could break that chain like that. And the gentleman looks at him, the manager of the facility looks at him and says, since they were a baby, we've held on to them with this little rope. So although they've gotten bigger, they don't realize how big and strong they are. They don't realize that they're mature now. And they look at that rope and they still see themselves as small. So they're too afraid to break that rope because they don't think they can. Listen to me, God has taken us through some change that's been gripping our lives for years. And God's telling us that you don't see how big and strong we are. Fearlessly and wonderfully made. God has been working on us for the past couple years for that moment when we can break the chain. But it takes us looking at ourselves and saying, God, it is that I can do all things through you. It is that I'm a conqueror through you. So this change that looks scary, that, looks, that feels like I have a blindfold on, this change that's been, I've been dragging around with a ball and chain, I know that I can get rid of because I'm going to see myself as you see me, amen? And I have the Spirit of God inside of me that says I can do it, amen, 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 amen. Also, allow the Holy Spirit to have freedom. He'll give us understanding. Is it hard to do things when we don't have understanding? It is, amen? Yeah, I'll be the first one to mention it. It's really hard. Sometimes I want to know. I just want to know why. And sometimes it's at the appropriate time that God lets me know why. Otherwise, it's not my time yet. And that's a really hard situation. It's like when you're parenting. Sometimes your kids just don't need to know. You're having a conversation, you're having something, and they ask a question, you're like, not right now. But the Holy Spirit will give us that peace that surpasses all understanding that will actually hold us to the understanding, amen? That, that, that's the point of it, is that eventually, and now it might be before God and understand that, but many times God will give us understanding. And in, in 1 John 1 and 27, the great disciple John notes this, and he says this in part of his scripture, you do not need anyone to teach you. Okay, now be careful with that because the people kind of get that scripture out of whack. Listen, we need some people to teach us, amen? We don't know everything, <laughs> okay? 
We need people to mentor us and to grow us and to help us dig it out, amen? But what John is saying here, and this is a guy, this is John the Revelator. This guy's been through it. He is writing to people and saying, listen, I've walked with Christ. I've done all these things and I'm here to tell you that you don't need anybody to teach you. You can walk into any situation and the Spirit of the Lord can bring you through it. You don't need to stop and say, well, let me, let me stop what I'm doing and go try to, no. God, if you've put me here and you're gonna walk me through it, then I know that I can be a success. And he goes on to say, his anointing teaches you about all things and his anointing is real, not counterfeit. Like Saul, we'll wanna go out and get another type of armor sometimes. There's nothing worse than a church taking a model from a different place and trying to do it exactly like they do 600 miles away. It's not gonna work. Because that's the model where they do it and that's how, it's their people. That's what I love about us. We don't try to do that. Now do we gain and inspire and hey, that's a great idea? Yeah, absolutely. But we're not gonna take a church that's been really successful and say, let's wipe everything out and start back from scratch. No, okay? In a lot of ways, we're stepping into that counterfeit. Because that's not what God has called you to do. And that's what John here is saying. He said, listen, don't fall for the counterfeit. And it's going to be really hard to tell the difference. As we talked about before, how hard is it to look at something that's already made, that's already put together, that's already done? I think I'm a carpenter, and I'm really not. Matter of fact, I got corrected harshly in a store yesterday. I looked at something. I said, I think I could build that. Well, the owner of the store didn't appreciate me saying that. So she let me know that that's not how it is. But anyways, it was fine. But I look at stuff. It wasn't rude or anything, but I looked at, I looked at, the, I looked at this thing, and I think, man, I can, I can build this shop. Or I can buy this pre-made one. Yeah. Yeah, and in our world, for me, I better buy the pre-made one because I want to have different sizes of walls, and it's going to be ugly. Okay? But listen, we can't buy prefabricated stuff. God says to work out your own salvation. He says for us to do it. John here says the same thing. He'll teach you about all things and it's not counterfeit, just as he has taught you. So we've got to look back. John here is also saying look back. As Paul was saying, let that spirit of God work in you and through you, it's almost as if he's saying it's already happened. Think back to those times and continue on. Does that make sense? He's saying, listen, the spirit of God is at work in you. It's continuing to do those things and we want to continue to walk in it. There's a young boy who walks by a store and sees a whole box of puppies. And you know kids like puppies, right? How much is the puppy in the window? That's the reason why I don't put big, ugly, nasty dogs in the window. Have you ever heard that song, How Much Is the Big, Ugly, Nasty Dog? Nobody hears that song. Nobody sings that song, right? This boy walks in and he goes, oh, I want to buy a puppy today. He goes, how much will these puppies sell for? And he said, between 30 and $50. He said, well, I've got $2.37. Manager's like, I don't know. And here comes this little puppy lipping out. And the boy says, well, how much is that dog? And the manager says, nah, you don't want that dog. That dog will be worthless, won't hardly do anything. And the little boy looks at him and says, no, I want that dog. I've got $2.30. The manager looks at him and said, I'll just give you the dog. And the boy says, no, I don't, I don't want you to give me the dog. I'll, I'll buy the dog. I'll give you $2.37 now, and then I'll pay you 50 cents a week until I get it paid off. And the manager was like, why in the world would you want this dog? About that time, that little boy pulls up his pant leg and exposes a brace that had been on his leg from birth because he had been crippled. And the manager looks at him and says, well, I guess the puppy will need somebody that he can respond to. Listen, as we expose our defects to God, 
as we really expose ourselves and say, God, I really want to change. We have a God who's like that little boy who says, yeah, you're mine. I, I understand, I understand. But it's only at that point that we really become like that little boy and really expose ourselves that God's going to allow that change to stay, amen? So the change that God has spoken to you, whether, and some of it's going to seem super spiritual, right? And some of it's not. Some of it's just going to be everyday things that we know we need to take care of. Might speak to us about something that we need to do for our wife. Is that really spiritual? I don't know, but if it creates peace in the house, I'm probably going to do it. Same thing. Do I really need to do that for my husband? If it creates some peace, I'd probably do it. Maybe God's showing some stuff to us, and it's not like, I don't see how this is spiritual. Well, everything that God tells us to do doesn't seem spiritual, but it'll be for our betterment. Amen? Christ gives instructions. He says, there, go, there, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Peter and them are fishing in a boat. <laughs> he comes back and he says, listen, the Spirit of God is going to fill you and you'll be filled with power. They go back in Acts 8 and 1, and the Spirit hits them, and they begin to give the Spirit all kinds of freedom. We find Peter preaches in Antioch later on because of the directions that he says. He says, listen, you're going to preach here, there, and everywhere. But they had to give the Spirit of God freedom to tell them what to do. Peter, one of the 12 disciples, winds up preaching in Antioch, Corinth, different places from Jerusalem where he was at. Andrew believed, believed to preach to the Greeks. James the Great, Jerusalem, because he said, you also preach here. John went on the island of Patmos, also Ephesus. Matter of fact, John got dipped in the boiling oil, so disfigured that when he got up, the reason why he went to the island of Patmos is because that's where he got exiled to, because he was a walking miracle. People would touch him and get healed. That's what people believe. But he still went to the island. Patmos gained the revelation. Philip ministered to the Greek-speaking communities. Bartholomew, little is known. How, at first, when I was reading this, I was thinking, man, little is known about these guys. But if you think about it, if they would have stayed, stayed in Jerusalem, books and books and books probably wouldn't have been written about them. But because they went out and did what God told them to do, hardly anybody knows where they went or what they did. Because they went forth. Matthew, one of the great evangelists, the Mediterranean, died in Ethiopia. James the Lesser, scholars believe that he wrote the epistle of St. James, went on and left Jerusalem, but his remains are, are, are in a different place. He uh, was believed to be later stoned to death. Thaddeus preached the gospel in various places, also a martyr, a martyr in Beirut, Simon the Zealot in Beirut. Matthias, the same story, went and started up another, another church somewhere. But it wasn't until they really allowed the Holy Spirit to have freedom in their lives that helped them understand that I've got to go. I've got to do this thing that God's called me to do. And listen, we've got to do this thing that God's called us to do. It's not small. It's not insignificant. Yes, you tried last year and you didn't fail, or you failed. That's okay. Many of us are in the same boat and God's still saying change this. But our change is right around the corner. If we will hold on to it and say, God, my attitude is going to be in check. My actions will be in check. God, I want to do this. And we can do this. Amen. Amen. Would you bow with me? We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory. And hope changes everything.